everybody. This is Chris McLean, and this is Hater Radio. I'm here live with my co-host, Ian Gibson. Ian, how are you? I'm doing good. Much better than last week, and I'm uh, glad to be back. Yeah, Ian wasn't here last week. If anyone listened, um, you know, he was under the weather, so we're glad to have him back and back in the saddle. And, uh, you know, so what we do here with uh, Hater Radio is we're a college football podcast. We talk about all of the major college football games, uh, the ones that are important to the college football playoff and conference implications and some rivalry games as well that are interesting. Um, typically, each show we do a uh, a recap of the games that happened previously, and then we uh, look at the Heisman standings for any players that are standouts during the, the weekend that might be uh, uh, rising or falling either way. And then also we look at the, uh, our four potential playoff teams that we, we think will be in. And, um, lastly, we also do a, uh, preview of the week coming, uh, after, uh, we do the show, the coming week, the, the games that heads up. So with that in mind, uh, let's do our socials real quick. You could reach us at haterradio.com on the website for any articles that we have, season previews for USF, UCLA, USC, and Florida, and some other articles that are out there. Um, one I did about uh, Anthony Richardson and his Heisman movement, and it doesn't look so good now, but we'll talk about that later. But um, also reach us at Hater underscore radio for both Twitter and Insta, which we don't really do the Insta anymore. I kind of just gave up on that. But also reach us at haterradio1 at gmail.com for the email. And Ian, what are your socials again? Yeah, uh, YouTube is uh, GatorG and Instagram is G double underscore Gator double underscore G. Okay, that's how to reach us if you want to talk to us. Again, I'm on Twitter, constantly talking shit. Uh, I'm getting a decent following there. And uh, we'll talk more about what's going to happen this coming weekend. But let's move into the week two recap, which was a very interesting week. A lot of upsets. Um, Ian definitely picked one that I noteworthy, the, the obviously the game that we're all going to talk about a, a good amount about. But let's start on the, I believe Friday was the Louisville UCF game. And I picked UCF to win because largely because of what, how lacking Louisville looked against Syracuse. But what I'm gathering from the first two weeks is the possibility that Syracuse actually might be like an eight, nine win team this year, which I think has potential there because they looked really good even in their other game. I know it was a nobody, but still, you know, destroying Louisville and then doing whatever against that tomato can. It looks really strong. Yukon, yeah. But I mean it was like Yukon sucks. Like, you know, they haven't been yeah. good. Like they've had like maybe three good years ever in their existence. But um but in this UCF game you know, I saw so many UCF fans hyping up uh, Plumley for so long, and I'm just like, this guy's trash. Gus Malzahn is not a good uh, play caller. He's a terrible coach. He, you know, was very fortunate to get the seasons that he did out of uh, Auburn that he did, and for the most part, most of the years that he was there were like seven and six years. So I was like, 
he's going to do the same thing to UCF and it's going to finally catch up to him because last year was a decent year. But this year I'm projecting to like a seven and six year. And, you know, those UCF fans are so arrogant and they deserve every ounce of what they got in this game because they, um, there was a, what was it, that interception at the end? Did you see that? Yeah, or- it, was, it was like picked off. It was picked off, then caught, and then picked off again, like all in the same catch. It, it was, was wild really- because it was like he might have been out of bounds because his like body was falling. And like, I mean, it, because they called it in the play that it was uh, a pick. I think it was too hard to overcome like anything else. Like, I don't think there was enough evidence to like prove the other guy technically had caught it. And then there was not enough evidence to prove that they were out of bounds when they were like touching it. So it was like, we just have to go with what we said. And this is just is, and it's kind of remarkable because it was pretty much the difference in the game. Mm -hmm. Um, But Plumlee is just, he's an average quarterback at best. He's basically Bo Nix. Like, he really is. It's like, you know, Gus Malzahn went from Bo Nix at Auburn to now being stuck with the exact same thing at UCF. And I don't know. I mean, they played all right, the rest of the team. Like, you know, there's okay players on that team. It's not like UCF is trash. It's like they're they're a decent team. It's just, I don't, I hate their fans, and I'm just glad that they lost. But I don't know. What did you see in this game, Ian? So this one, um, what I saw more than anything was, um, like I, one of my favorites is Malik Cunningham, and he finally showed up a week late, but he did have his, you know, first under the scene play um, this week. Over 300 yards of total offense, over 100 yards rushing, um, and I think he, and he had the rushing touchdown too. Um, that's a second half. He just completely took over. Um, they were down, I believe it was 14 to 10 in the going into, or no, they were down 14 to seven halftime. And then Malik Cunningham, just through his mobility, was able to keep plays alive, keep the drive alive. Um, and more importantly, keep the ball away from UCF's offense. And the defense yeah. did a fantastic job too uh, for uh, Louisville. But time of possession was really key. Um, I know it was very close. I think Louisville had like, 32 minutes compared to, I think it would be like 28 minutes or something for uh, uh, UCF. Um, but that proved key because they had to pretty much force um, a play into the end zone on the last second play. They didn't, couldn't draw up what they wanted with all the time in the world. Um, so they had to force that play, which resulted in that insane interception. But it was a very good game, very exciting game. Um, definitely lived up to the hype. Um, and Overall, just a good game. I'd probably say, you know, definitely game MVP would be Malik Cunningham. Ton of penalties. There was 23 between the two teams and over like... It was fun, but it wasn't disciplined. (laughs) Yeah. Over like over 100 for UCF yardage-wise in penalties and then nearly 198 to be exact for Louisville. So it's... Quite a lot of penalties, quite a lot of yardage penalized, but, you know, it's still early, you know, so it's like beginning of the season. Some of that stuff will probably get worked out, but still kind of ugly. But um, the rest of the game was interesting. It was definitely like, like you said, Malik, you know, in the highlights that I saw, because I was working during most of the game, so I didn't really get to 
like watch a lot of it. But um, when I saw the highlights, you know, Malik looked really good. And like, um, I'm wondering where this Louisville team is going to go because they have uh, Florida State next week. And we're going to talk about that. You know, it's um, it's tough because when you lose your first game, it kind of like sets you back a lot, you know, regarding your like momentum going into the season. But it's also the first game, so it's not the end of the world. It's at least just one game, so you have potential. And then beating a decent team like UCF is definitely a good start. So let's let's move on. Okay, so moving on to Saturday. The early game, which I, I don't know why they do this for like big games like this, but it's it has to do with Fox's big noon kickoff or whatever, yeah, you know. Like awesome. I it's just they're 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 trying to capitalize on that market from that time, which I get, but you know, ESPN has cornered the and ABC have cornered the like seven, eight o'clock game. So they don't even want to compete. They're just like, we'd rather not compete. We'll just leave ours. You know, we'll go at noon when there's like nothing really going on. Okay. So it's the big game. And it's probably what a lot of people have talked about the last couple of days, Alabama and Texas, just a remarkable game, crazy. Just the finish was remarkable. There was like that safety play where there was a, not a safety, even though, They've gone back and there's evidence that Bryce Young's like forearm wrist was down. So he's technically would be down in the end zone and that would have been a safety. And like that, cha- that technically is the difference in the game right yeah. there. And like two points. Yeah, it's two points. So it was a two point game. So it's like, I, I, man, I don't know how they missed that because they reviewed it, but they were looking at the penalty instead of the safety, which like, what the fuck? Why are we looking at the penalties? Why are yeah, we looking at the actual play? The passer with targeting, and then it was like the ref said it wrong, and he said there was no roughing the passer or no yeah. targeting, so it's an incomplete pass. And I'm like, what? In How the- is that even possible? None <laughs> of it. None said. of it made any sense. Oh, only to Bama. <laughs> yeah, of course they're going to get garbage like that to prevent them from losing, and it's. I, I don't think anybody saw this coming. I mean, mo- I mean, I had a blowout. I don't remember what your score was, but I had them by one, winning by you know double digits and that. Yeah. I, I will say, you know, the saying it's better to be lucky than good. That was Alabama. They oh were, yeah, for sure. This was even though they won. I remember saying this. Even though they won, this is the worst game I've seen Alabama play in two years. Even in the games they've lost, even when they won, especially last year when they lost to Texas A&M and they lost to Georgia in the national championship. I, the only thing I would say, comparison. the only thing I would say is that Auburn game from last year was pretty bad as well. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. Like Bryce Young, had, like they only had like seven points going into like the last few minutes of the fourth quarter. And he like went on that miraculous drive. I think the it. difference was was how like it was so un Alabama of a game. They were getting penalty after penalty after yeah. penalty. It was fifteen penalties, was, and it was like the most yardage penalized they've had since Saban's been there. It was kind of remarkable. Yeah, and I was like, oh my god, I feel so bad for these kids because Saban is going to probably kill them when they go back <laughs> yeah. to Tuscaloosa. Because <laughs> sure. we know how disciplined he is and how he absolutely hates penalties, but. It was absolutely, like I said, absolutely one of the worst games I've seen Alabama play in a long time, and they are beyond lucky. They are counting their lucky stars that they escaped with the win because that was they had every everything that 
could go wrong, did go wrong. But then again, more went wrong for Texas. Quinn Ewers, you know, got injured. You know, they didn't get the calls they needed. Um, and more importantly, a lot of players were dropping passes. Um, there were a couple of plays that were in the end zone, and they had to settle for field goals. And don't forget, he missed a field goal before halftime. Oh yeah, like that eight, yeah would have been yeah, was, and it was like a like a ten yard field goal or some it shit. Was, yeah. It was a chip. It was an extra point, and yeah. he shanked it. Yeah, and so this was like one of those games where I said no team kind of deserved to win, and both of them wanted to lose. So it was one of those games. It was just so on Alabama of them that I had to take a dull take. I will say they have got a lot to work to do now. If this, if last season was the rebuilding year that Saban was saying, I don't know what we're building for. Cause you got a lot of construction to work on, man. Yeah. I would say the wide receivers are definitely lacking. Like I don't see, I don't see the same, like, you know, the last six, seven years of wide receivers that Alabama has had, it's not the same level. I don't know if those kids will eventually get there, which they could, but right now it just doesn't seem like there's any pop there. You know, even that guy Burton from UGA, like I, I never was really impressed with him at Georgia. So I was like, I'm surprised Nick Saban took him on, but maybe he just felt that like the receiving core needed some like, you know, upperclassmen in there to try to like push them forward. But I don't know, that guy is just underwhelming. But, um, you know, the good part about starting two and oh is now you have the potential of going three and oh. So it's like, as much as it was ugly, they still won. And like you said, it's better to be lucky than to be good. So they've, they're still winning. And I, I think they'll fix some things. They got a couple of garbage games they get to play. And they should be able to get up to snuff more because, like, I can't think of their next big game, but I, I know it's not – I don't think it's next week. I don't think they have anything tough this week because I didn't I didn't include them in our uh, preview for this week. So I, I know they're playing, like, um, I think it's UL Monroe. Yeah, exactly. I, so they, they, they should was, destroy like, them. So. The t- I think that was the team that, like, yeah, that beat them in 07 or something. Yeah, I think it is. It was like the last, like the Saban's first year when they like yeah. went seven and seven or seven and six. I know or their next big game is against Arkansas. Yeah, which that that'll be the test. That and and you know again, like even if they lost to Texas, it wouldn't have been at the end of the world because they still would have the the conference games and conference uh, ability to get to the to Atlanta. So, all right, let's move on. Speaking of Arkansas, South Carolina, Arkansas. You know, I really like this Arkansas team, man. I like Sam Pittman. This is this guy's got some real juice. Um, Arkansas wins 44 30. Uh, KJ Jefferson just looking like a stud, just control of this offense, which is like it's kind of wild because it's like, is is it uh Art Brile's son that's still there, right? I think so. <laughs> I, think I can't so. remember his first name, but he's the offensive coordinator. I'm almost positive he is because he was at FSU with Willie Taggart, and then he left, and then he, like, Sam Pittman picked him up. and um, Kendall Bryles. Yeah, Kendall Bryles, yeah. And so he, um, you know, he instills those wide splits, and it really, like, opens up the running lanes because of it. 
And so like uh, the corners have to commit to the pass. And if they're committing to the pass, it's almost like wide open those outside lanes to be able to run to. And so it's like, you know, it's definitely an offense that like, because Art Bryles had such a, I don't know. I don't even know how to describe it. It just, it was a crazy tenure where all those bad decisions were made regarding uh, what was going on with his football players. Um, But it really kind of uh, like uh, put a wet blanket on the offense, even though the offense was like, at the time it was like, no one's ever done what he was doing. And so it was completely different. And they were like lighting up the scoreboard and then all that, you know, whether smoke, there's fire stuff came out and, you know, he was gone and it kind of like the offense was like smoldering and like not really doing anything. And then there's a few other teams like uh, Tennessee implements that offense. Uh, You know, obviously Kendall Browse does it too, because he was the offensive coordinator at Baylor. And so like, there's other people now and it's like going, spreading to other places. And so it's interesting to see how it like, was almost dead and gone, but now it's like really kind of like showing itself all over the country. Um, but uh, I don't know this Arkansas team, man. I the only thing I'm not really like dead set on or sold on is the the defense because yeah. I really think I'm not a fan of like their like three three five or whatever it is. I'm not really. I don't know. Like I don't know what they expect. I mean, it's it's basically. It's setting up to be exploited by the past, and that's exactly what South Carolina and Spencer Rattler were able to, <laughs> to do on increments. Yeah. Um, the thing was is that Arkansas just kept the ball away more because they just ran it and ran it and ran it and ran it. And that's why I think that play calling does so good is because when you're expecting the run um, <laughs> over and over again, um and you've had success all day i've always said if it ain't broke don't fix it and that's exactly what arkansas did um and just when they saw like the you know the safeties in the corner creeping up that's when they would do the uh, play action pass because that was i think we can all agree with jefferson the one thing is that he's definitely not the most accurate quarterback but if you make life easier where everybody hits on the play action and he's got a wide open guy 30 yards down the field makes his life a lot easier oh yeah yeah, for sure. And he's, you know, he's he's very athletic and, you know, he's I don't know. It's um I don't see them beating Alabama because even though like Alabama struggled, I still think Arkansas is not at that level yet. But I can see them beating everyone in the West. I don't see them losing to anyone else in the West and I can see them I think they have one more SEC East opponent, and I don't know who it is, but I'm sure they'll probably be fine there. The one game that is tricky on their schedule that I'm actually really excited to see, and I I, I don't know, if I have the ability to do it, I might end up going out to it, is uh, BYU-Arkansas. Yeah. And and I'm like, ooh, man, that would be and that's in, a hell of a game. Yeah, it's in, in Provo. And like I'm like, man, I would love to go to that game Cause that would be, that would be an interesting game to see live. Cause you know, like two very high powered offenses and God, I, we got to talk about that BYU game in a little bit, but man, that yeah. was, that would be a hell of a matchup. All right, let's move on. Um, 
Wake Forest, Vandy. I'm just going to do this one real quick. You know, Vanderbilt, it was nice. 2-0 and was great, but back to reality. So they win 45-25. you have any thoughts on this one? Um, Sam Hartman for Heisman. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, he missed, what, two games, so he's back. So I'm liking that because now it's like uh, Wake Forest most likely will beat Florida State. So I was like kind of miffed because I was like that would be a game that potentially Florida State could win, but now they won't because Sam Hartman's going to destroy them. Uh, So moving on, Missouri-Kansas State. Man. Yeah. (laughs) Dude, Drinkwitz is – I think he's a bum, man. I really think he is a bum. He's like a dorky guy. He does like dorky things all the time. And he, I don't know, his teams are just not good. And um, I mean, he hasn't had a single moment in the SEC since he's been there where he's like, prove that he's a good commodity at all. Like, I know he did well at App State, but like, that feels like forever ago now, you know, and like, I don't know. I mean, I'm glad because I don't want to see, um, I don't want to see Missouri do well because they're obviously, uh, you know, it's kind of like a, they've probably been the best opponent against Florida the last like 12 years since they've been in the division or 10 years, sorry, 10, 11 years since they've been in the division than anyone else like they I think they've gone like five and five or something like that against Florida and so it's like you know they've been kind of like they're equal for the most part and it's like but I you know what Kansas State looks good you know it's a team that maybe can contend for the big 12 something that like I didn't see possible at the beginning of the year but now it's like they're kind of moving forward. Uh, forty to twelve was the final score. Uh, With Adrian Martinez as quarterback, which is the irony of it. Hilarious, hilarious. Considering what we'll talk about. Well, let's talk about that right now. So we don't have Nebraska listed as any of the teams, but um, welcome to the club, Nebraska, to losing to Georgia, to Georgia Southern. Yeah, losing to Georgia Southern, <laughs> and then. It's so bad that you lose to Georgia Southern that, boom, you're fired. And Scott Frost, the Scott Frost experiment is over finally. And I I never would have thought that was going to be what happened. I never would have thought that they would have had the record they did. It seemed like he was going to be able to make changes there and bring an exciting offense there, but he never could do it. He never could recruit the players that he needed. I don't know if Adrian Martinez was the problem. I mean, he's doing well at Kansas State, so it's not necessarily him. But I don't know. It's just kind of it's 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 kind of odd, which is like I don't understand because like Chip Kelly took some time, but Chip Kelly's like figured it out. But like Scott, Scott Frost, Frost Scott and Frost has the, never did, and he's gone. That was so. the thing I said he tried. Like a, um, it was the guys on unnecessary roughness. Um, their podcast that they mentioned, and I totally agreed with them. Scott Frost, his problem is that he built Nebraska like a group of five school where he yeah. just has a bunch of skilled players, but no big guys, offensive linemen, defensive linemen, you know, big linebackers, like heavy hitting guys that will win you those tight games. Yeah. You can have skill all over the place and you can get away with that. 
in group of five schools. Like that's why UCF did so well. They had so many fast athletic guys. They had athletes on their team and he put that to Nebraska. And that is not going to fly in the big 10 when you have to go to Ann Arbor, Columbus and get punched in the mouth. You can run it anywhere you want, but when you get bullied around, it's not going to matter. And that's exactly what happened. Um, at Nebraska was his downfall is that he just could not get the necessary players for that program. And for Nebraska, I mean, I don't know where you go. Um, here's hoping you can, you know, I've heard rumors, you know, maybe it would be hilarious. Urban Meyer goes there. Um, no way. The no that's way. The rumor. That's the rumor. No way. I would, la- I would <laughs> absolutely belly laugh if that happens. But in, I just don't know where this program goes. It get, it's gotten to the point where it's actually like, I only know it because I'm a nerd of college football, but like kids my age don't know like Nebraska was this juggernaut in the 90s and 80s. Yeah. Like they were like on Alabama levels now back yeah. then. And now they're just, they're literally like the, you know, I was going to say the Rutgers of the Big Ten, but they're, Rutgers is they're Maryland Ten. or they're uh, Illinois. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're at that level of the yeah. Big Ten. Like that's, yeah. and that's not, company you want to be with no for sure okay so anything you want to say about the kansas state missouri thing or oh welcome back to the big 12 missouri um (laughs) (laughs) that's what that's what i would say yeah okay here's one that i know you love utsa army utsa wins 41 38 and i think what did the army quarterback have you have like over over like 250 yards passing or something like that it was like it was he had over 200 yards which was which is insane that's insane for them like that's like that's like 400 yards for a normal quarterback yeah it's on like the army curve yeah yeah, yeah. and that but yeah this one um it, it was a typical roadrunner game i mean absolutely like spectacular and Fantastic ending, going to overtime again, offensive shootout again. Um, Harris had almost, I think he had 350-plus yards. Um, a couple of receivers had over 100 yards. Uh, Franklin had two touchdowns that game, too. It was, you know, an absolute, you know, old-school shootout, which, you know, you don't really expect against Army, but, again, it kind of showed um, the Achilles heel of this Roadrunner team is that, they are very vulnerable. I think I said this in the preseason. They are very vulnerable to the rock. And yeah. Army exposed that uh, this game. But UTSA escaped with the win. Um, and I, I know they're kind of their um, lucky stars they are. Um, but they get their first one of the year um, in the most UTSA way possible. Um, and over time in a shootout. Yeah, and it, you know, that their quarterback, what's his name again? Uh, Harris. Harris, he's really good. And I, you know, I enjoy watching just, I mean, cause it's yeah, hard right to there. find like full package highlights of UTSA. They don't like, they're always on like odd channels. They're on, they're like, on like CBS sports, CBS sports network yeah, or whatever it is. And you're like, I mean, they're on the conference USA. yeah. So it's, you know, it's not like you're going to find ESPN packages, in, but they are a solid team and seems like they're, they're getting like a decent fan base. 
which is, you know, good for them to like move up in the world. So we'll see where they end up. I mean, I think, I think like the AAC, the uh, American Athletic Conference is looking to expand and they haven't announced who they're going after. Or maybe they have. I can't remember. They, they Exp- have. I, well, it was I, like I, Charlotte and Charlotte, UTS. It was Charlotte, UTS, a lot of Texas schools. It was sh- UAB was one of them. FAU was another one. And I think Rice yeah. was the other. Yes. Yeah. That's it. So, like, I don't know. I, I really want USF to get into a power five conference, but because of what's going on with the playoff, now that you only have to just win your conference and be the, like highest one of ranked. the best, the highest ranked, like it doesn't even matter. Like you don't even need to be a part of that. And because of what's going on with the TV negotiations, it's more than likely that these conferences, the smaller conferences will get a bigger piece of the pie because now they're technically included. So it's like, you know, it doesn't even behoove them to try to reach out to like big 12 or ACC when it's like, it's almost like a harder road to get to the playoff. If you're playing in those conferences, when you'd rather just stay smaller conference and get really good and win, you know, win 11, 12 games every year and then get in the playoff if you can. And like, I don't know. That seems around, but let's move on. Um, so another uh, power or group of five teams, uh, UAB going up against Liberty. Uh, Liberty wins 21-14. I really like the quarterback play from Liberty in this one. This guy seems uh, like he knows what he's doing. And uh, it was – this one was a lot of turnovers, wasn't it? This was the UAB where it was like – like at least like five fumbles. Like, I think they gave up like four turnovers. Yeah, some it was like something crazy. I was like, "What is going on?" Like every highlight was like a turnover. Um, but uh, what did you what did you see out of this, Ian? That uh, from your uh, UAB, uh, what is it? Blazing Dragons? What are they? The Dragons? What Blazers. are they called? Blazers. Yeah, yeah. I knew it was. Yeah, something. so it was Blazers versus Flames. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and that. <laughs> This is another one of those games, again, where I saw it, and I was just going like, man, neither one of these teams wants to win, do they? Yeah. Um, it, it was a very messy game. Lots of, you know, UAB before turnovers was such a killer because I've always said turnovers aren't just about, like, giving the ball. It means you the ball is being taken. I mean, again, it sounds stupid when you say it, but it literally means you do not have that ball anymore. So you just wasted a possession yeah. and handed it, you know, gift basket right back to them um but it was yeah very messy game um i'll give credit uh slater did a very good job i think he did have over two um he had over 200 yards and i think he had almost 300 yards total i mean he had to run the ball on that uh, type of offense as well um but the defense did very good for liberty to withhold uab um and force those turnovers as well it got uh once they got to that 21 to 7 lead they definitely you could kind of tell, like, okay, they've got this in the bag. And then UAB definitely made it a fight uh, towards the end, but Liberty had this one uh, once they scored the uh, uh, rushing touchdown. It was like a one-yard run play, and I was like, okay, that, that'll probably be the game. Yeah. And, I mean, Liberty's another one of those teams because of Hugh Freeze that really, like, stands out because it's like, you know, they have a competent offense, which, you know, it um, – 
it puts them in contention to beat most teams. And so it's like, even like a power five team, they could probably most like, I'd say middle of the road to worse power five teams they could probably beat. And so like, like they could beat like a team like uh, Auburn or they could beat a team like uh, um, LSU even, or like, you know, Missouri or Vanderbilt, like they could beat all those teams. Um, but uh Solid win because UAB was one of your dark horses and, you know, Liberty gets the victory there. And so we'll keep track of them where they're going to go this year. But, um, you know, it's still early, so we'll see. But let's move on. Okay. Uh, Tennessee, Pittsburgh. Man, what a game. Like crazy, you know, Slovis gets hurt. Um, The pit ties it at the last little bit even that freaking uh touchdown by the tight end by bartholomew yeah. holy cow that was remarkable like he just dude he he like hurtled completely over that guy in full sprint and just kept going like it was like he didn't stop at all he was just like he went over him and then he just like was still running in place and it was just like gone and it was that was amazing and uh you know, Hendon Hooker looked good. You know, Tennessee's offense is going to score points. It's just what it is. Really, the thing that I thought would have been the difference is the fact that um, Tennessee couldn't stop Pitt. And it was kind of true, but, you know, Slovis got hurt. So I don't know what would have happened if Slovis would have went in. I think they probably would have won because I think Slovis is better than the backup, obviously, because he's starting. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, Tennessee gets lucky, gets hurt, and then uh, they win in overtime. And uh, just a crazy game. I'm glad they scheduled something like this because it's, you know, it really puts two, like, teams on the same level because they they both, what is it, they've, Tennessee lost last year at home against Pitt, and then then Pitt loses this year at home against Tennessee. So kind of went back and forth with, with them. So... Maybe maybe we'll see another, you know, them play a couple of games in the future, which would be kind of cool. Um, what were your thoughts on this, Ian? This is this game showcased how dangerous Tennessee's offense is. Um because I believe Pitt had over ten minutes more in possession time, which is insane for the fact that they had over ten minutes and Tennessee was still in this game because most defense, so that would have meant what they had like 25 minutes to score, at least in regulation, they would have had to score, I think it was 20, yeah, 27 uh, points. Um, so 25 minutes and 27 points, three touchdowns is very impressive. Um, and that, and again, this is a game where it was kind of the opposite of what I was saying. I felt bad for one of these teams had to lose. Because both of them deserved one. It was so evenly matched. But again, Tennessee's offense is so quick, so effective. And it's like a machine, especially with Hendon Hooker. Um, when he's clicking, um, it's it's unstoppable. Um, no matter what you do to try to cover it, they will find a way to get those first downs necessary. And it's all about making the smart play, not the big play with Tennessee. Um, and they showcased that, showcased that um, against Pitt. It was absolutely fantastic game um and tennessee definitely made a statement especially offensively uh 
uh, how they can win these games where it doesn't matter how much time they have or how much time you take away from them, they can find their way into the end zone. I mean, I their defense is still the the question about what's going to be the story of this year. Yeah, they can score a lot of points, but until they start stopping teams, that's going to be the difference. Um, so I, I'm they won, which is good, and they're two and zero, and they have a softy this week, so they're going to be three and zero. But uh, they'll definitely have a tough test with Florida that coming week after that. And then they also have Alabama and they have Georgia. So, and they also, I think they have LSU as well, possibly. I can't remember, but they've got a tough schedule and they got to play Kentucky too, which that's going to be a tough game, you know, considering what, you know, what we'll talk about in a little bit. But um, I'm, I'm not sold on Tennessee. You know, I have, I'm wait and see with that, with this defense, because until this defense proves that they can actually get stops, I'm just going to be, you know, like I said, the offense can score. That's not the problem. Like I know they're going to score and I know they're very good. I'm not discounting that. It's just the fact that if you want to win games, you have to play a complete game and you can't just rely on the offense to outscore everyone because you're going to, if you're playing with fire, you're going to get burned. Okay. So moving on. Kind of a weird game, Washington State, Wisconsin. Oh, man. Uh, Washington man. State oh, man. wins this one. It's 17-14. Wisconsin didn't look very good. Washington State didn't look very good. It was kind of like uh, – this was definitely a game where it was like neither team wanted to win. And, uh, man. This is – I'm sorry. I, I I don't mean to interject there, but I remember I was watching the highlights of this game and watching the game, and I said – I literally went like, bro – Really, like Wisconsin had almost double the amount of offense, double the amount of first downs, and I believe they had almost 40 minutes of possession time, and they found a way to lose. They didn't find <laughs> a way to win. They found a way to lose this game. I said, out of all the losses this week, even the upsets with SNAM and Notre Dame, all that. This was the most unacceptable in terms of how the team played. That is absolutely unacceptable for Wisconsin to have that kind of day and to lose that game. Washington State had no business to be in that game, but with how bad the Wisconsin offense has been for the past two seasons, it is time for this program to really take a look in the mirror because if Washington State is beating you when they have half of your offense you really need to reconsider where you are in the big 10 because that is absolutely unacceptable speaking of let, let's move on from that one and I, I i didn't have it on my list i forgot to include this one uh because i i was just going off of our games from the previous week but let's talk about the one you mentioned uh texas a&m app state so i was watching it and you know, Texas A&M was floundering at best and just, I mean, I don't know what they were doing. The offense looked like shit. They had, at one point, the time of possession was so, uh, like, in one favor to App State, it was remarkable. I was like, I think, I think Texas App State did finish with over 40 minutes. They did, yeah, 41 to 18. And so... 
There was one point in the second half, I think Texas A&M had the ball like five minutes or something like that. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? Like, how do you only possess the ball? They they had 186 yards total, total. Like what? 97 yards passing, 89 yards rushing. That is like, I mean, that's like what a team like, a, you know, a, a terrible directional school does against them not what they do against an app state like i i mean jimbo fisher i've told you i've told you for a while that i don't think he's as good as he has been advertised as like oh he's this genius and he does this and he does that and i'm just like i've never been a believer in him i always thought that fsu had the easiest schedule known to man in that year, especially the year they won. And, um, you know, everything else is kind of proven right because they've been soft. He's been soft ever since that easy schedule. You know, he went up against Alabama in 2017 at FSU, lost there, and then proceeded to go seven and six. And then ever since that point, at Texas A&M, he has a worse record than Kevin Sumlin at the exact same point right now, like same amount of games. And I'm just like, I don't get it. I don't see what people see. Obviously, they're recruiting. They're getting the guys there because they had the number one recruiting class and they spent a lot of money on them. And they got like, I don't know, what was it seven, five stars or some shit like that? Mm-hmm. So they got a lot of guys coming in. It's just, you know, freshmen don't usually start right away. And I think some of them are like D linemen anyway. So you don't really see the freshman D linemen starting, but um, I don't know. I mean, already one and one, I know it's not a conference loss, but doesn't look good losing to a team like app state. Uh, Any chance of them like that whole national championship. Oh, aspirations is that, it's out the window. It's literally the equivalent. <laughs> I don't know. I can know. Like I said, it's top 10 teams need to stop scheduling App State. Yeah. App State yeah. is not, a, has never been a slouch. And I've always said they've been one of the best group of five teams since they came in to Division One. Um, yeah, I, I, I was watching this game and I was just laughing. I was laughing because App State was bullying Texas A&M yeah. over 40 minutes of possession. And I think they had again almost double the amount of yardage yeah. AM had and way more first downs. AM committed more turnovers. It was the sloppiest game I have ever seen. That's saying a lot. AM ever play. And App State, like I remember I remember said this. I said App State deserved to win that game. That was not a fluke. That was yeah. not a oh, they caught him. No, App State just flat out went into Kyle Field. And punched them in the mouth and took their money and laughed at them. Yeah, that and was that was like an extremely well game well plan coached, game. Well played. Everything like, was executed perfection. App State won. I, I don't I, I've always said that. There's certain times with an upset where they'll, you know, blame oh, it's like, oh, the team was underprepared. They were not expecting this. And I was like, no, App State just straight up won that game. They outplayed and outcoached AM in every facet. Yeah, of that they game. they had that game plan was exactly what they wanted to do. They wanted to control the ball and just run it down their throats. And they did that. And they kept the ball out of their hands. And like you know, when the other team 
is not on offense when you are constantly just punching the defense in the mouth, you're going to get yards and you're going to move down the field and you're going to be in position to score and to take advantage of that. And they did, and they, they win this game. So, uh, Oh, the one thing I wanted to mention, we'll mention the last one, but, uh, Pitt loses Texas A&M loses. And then the other one that's going to come up a little bit, but Baylor loses as well. That's all three. Of Desmond the four, Howard's. yeah, Desmond Howard playoff teams lost. And one of them and the, I said was, and, and mine was, um, I think I mentioned, I think I had Pitt for mine. For mine. I, I might have changed it later, but I did have Pitt for mine. And yeah, that's out the window. Dude, is that not insane? Like how, like, you've got to be like one of the worst analysts ever. If like you're picking and three of your teams are done within a two weeks, I know it'll change like when the playoffs expand. So it's like, it'll be a, like a lot, a lot more difficult to miss because you're going to be like, you can catch, you can spread a wide net to really like pick the teams. And it's like, Oh, you're, you'll miss a few here and there, but you'll probably get the top five or six, no matter what, like you're going to figure those out. But like now with only four, it's kind of difficult. <laughs> he like completely yeah. misses on three of them, but, uh, okay. So let's move on. Uh, Houston, Texas tech, Houston, just, you know, playing with fire, just like UTSA did, you know, they had that overtime game last week and then Houston's in an overtime game this week with Texas tech tech wins 33, 30. Um, I, I'm curious to see where this Texas tech team goes, and like what they're going to do. Cause this is a solid win, like beating a Houston team that was a top 25 team, potentially one of the best teams in the American athletic conference. So it's like, you know, is this a springboard for Texas tech or is this more of just kind of a letdown for Houston? I don't know. What, what, what's your thoughts on this Ian? Um, I will say the first thing I, this is completely tangent, but the thing I was thinking about this game is when they stormed the field, I was like, I've never seen a power five school storm the field after beating a group of five school. I think that's a first. Yeah. And that, but regardless of, regardless of that, um, with Texas Tech, obviously the offense was there. Um, they had almost 500 yards. Um, and the, the problem is with Tech is that their offense is very loose. It's kind of... Uh, you know, just throw it, you know, throw it up um, around this air raid type of offense and that. Uh, but at least in this game, it was enough to, you know, spread Houston's defense out um, and put them in vulnerable positions. So those streaking routes, it was more of one-on-one -on -one coverage um, that, you know, Texas Tech is, you know, very good against, uh, especially with um, the uh, quarterback. Uh, Donovan Smith is very mobile, so it's like those draw plays where you can see, you know, everybody's down the field, so he can just take off and get that first down easier. Um, but overall, it was a very good game for Tech. Houston played very well too. They just couldn't get, um, it just couldn't get on the field well enough. Again, time of possession. I think Houston only had the ball for twenty or less. It was like twenty four minutes or something like that, and. That's what it comes down to because they were scoring. It's just they didn't have the ball enough. Yeah, um, let, let's move on. So uh, a game that set uh, 
current football back about 50 years, Iowa State, Iowa. Um, Iowa State wins 10 to 7. Iowa has now averaged seven points through two games. That's not like one one player. It is literally the team has averaged seven points through two games. Yeah, and only one touchdown. Two uh, two safeties and a field goal. I mean, I it's so hideous. I don't even really want to talk about it because it was so hideous. Like, just give me your thoughts real quick, and then we'll move on because I do want to talk about this next one re- really quick. Iowa State is a Big Ten school disguised in the Big Twelve. Yeah, I know. Uh, it really is. Yeah, it really is, and I'm surprised they're even in the Big Twelve. It makes no sense. But uh, okay, so let's move on. Dude, interesting. I love this school because I I worked there, Gardner Webb, going up against Coastal Carolina. Um, they're in the same conference for um, other sports besides. I believe they used to be. I don't know if they still are. They they were in the same conference back in the day when I worked there. Um, but uh, Coastal gets the win at the like with like five minutes left. Gets the yeah. go ahead score thirty one twenty seven. I'm, you know, I love Gardner Webb and I always root for them. And I was like very surprised when I saw the score. I was like, oh, wow, they actually were there. And like they had a chance to win because they're still an FCS school uh, in football. So uh, I'm glad that they contended. It's not doesn't look good for Coastal, but I mean, Coastal plays a lot of smaller schools. So, I mean, the Chanticleers aren't done yet. So. And I, the only thing I'll say about this game is that, again, as I mentioned about Coastal in the preview for this season, is that the defense is going to be the Achilles heel in that. It, they almost they gave up five almost 500 yards to Gardner Webb, and no disrespect to Gardner Webb and FCS, but you can't like you can't do that when, when you're playing when they're going to go play, you know, uh, Georgia Southern or Liberty, um, uh, these teams that you know. Coastal is going to have to play to win the Sun Belt. Um, that if you give up over 500 yards, you're very unlikely to win the game. Yeah, for sure. Okay, moving on. I know Ian called the upset, and uh, you know I'm not I, proud of it. I know you're not, but it's at the same time <laughs> you were right. Um, but you also didn't call. You called Utah to win the previous week and I called for Utah to win as well. So we were both wrong there, but this week you were right. So we're you're one and one picking Florida and I'm Oh, and two. So I don't know what I'm doing. Um, okay. So Florida loses to Kentucky, uh, 26, 16. Um, the pivotal play was a pick six that Anthony Richardson threw and uh, that was pretty much it because the rest of the game, Florida just really couldn't get anything going. And then Kentucky like was driving the ball, missed a field goal. And then later on got another field goal. And uh, it was just too little too late for Florida. And they just, I mean, Richardson looked average. I mean, probably below average is the best way to describe it. He looked below average. I would say average wasn't, he, that was again, Nothing I mentioned, George. It was only he, it's it's technically his second start ever, but we've seen him, you know, last year. And I said that was his worst game. Yeah, that was the worst game I've seen him play yeah. so far at Florida. 
I the one thing that I noticed that he wasn't running the ball as much could be largely because Kentucky has good linebackers, but I also think he tweaked his ankle. I think some people saw they had like a clip of it and he like got hit low by a defender. So it could have been that. I I just think I said this one was just and at least Napier, you know, we haven't missed. He at least, you know, took the heat for it. And I'm glad he did because they were just like both Richardson and Napier were just forcing pass plays when it was completely unnecessary. The rushing attack with ETN and Wright was working, maybe not as well as maybe last week, but I was expecting that with Kentucky. Kentucky is not going to give you the run game easy. I was looking at like all these plays watching the game, and it was third and two and three, third and manageable. And I'm thinking, especially from last week, I was thinking, okay, this is where, you know, you're averaging about three or four yards a run. This is the one time where I'm like, I am okay with you running the ball. If it's like third and seven and you're running the ball, it's stupid. But when it's third and manageable, make the smart play, run it. Yeah. And they kept on forcing. They weren't even like designed plays for first downs. Like, you know, maybe like a bubble screen or a quick slant, like a quick hit play that will kind of is almost a surefire bet that if you get that quick pass in, it's a first down. They were like these design slant passing plays that took a while to develop. And I'm like screaming at the TV. Why are you calling these plays on third and two? Just get the first down, keep the drive alive, and get closer to the end zone. I don't know what the game Apparently, the game plan was to emphasize the passing game, but it was not there. Richardson was off all night, um, and I do not know why they just didn't you know, run the ball as, as much as they should, at least in those situations. I get passing it when it's like second, third, and one, or medium, and something like that. But when it's third down in like three or less, just, just make the smart play. You run the you run the ball in that. And I get it if the run game was not effective, but it was doing good. It was, I don't know what the averaging per yards was, but they were averaging enough yards where I said, okay, this is where you just hand the ball off and you get at least close enough or enough for the first down. So I think that was more on just forcing a game plan that was hitting the brick wall and i'll give kentucky this they did a fantastic job containing richardson he could not move out of the pocket he was contained the coverage was great and like i i, I mentioned earlier just kentucky flat out beat florida and i couldn't now florida didn't help itself turnovers and a lot of penalties um hurt them but kentucky deserved to win that game in my opinion they only had three penalties though ian was it three penalties? Yeah, it was only three penalties. I think they did better this game in certain aspects than they did against Utah, but largely it was the fact that Kentucky's defense was holding Anthony in check and also um, uh, what is it? Uh, Florida wasn't running the ball as much, like you said, and they should they should have been seemed like they were avoiding that for whatever reason. Um, I know I had uh, listened to, and I always talk about these guys, but the Gator Nation football podcast, they had talked about that the it looked like 
that they could uh, throw on Kentucky. And I, they definitely attempted to throw on them. They threw 35 passes and had some success early on. And then it kind of like fell apart. Uh, I know that I've heard that like when Anthony Richardson misses, he misses high what it was what i heard and you could see that on a couple of them especially i think it was one either to shorter or xavier henderson where it was like a deep crosser and he he missed him like really high he was kind of open and he probably if it was a little bit lower he would have caught it for like a 20 yard gain but he like completely missed it and then um i don't know it just looked out of sorts it looked like he was like he was flustered. He, I don't know. It just seemed, just seemed different than Utah. Like Utah, he was like in command and like, I never, I, there was not a worry in my mind in that Utah game. If they were going to win or lose, I knew they were going to win. Like I was like, I, I was like a hundred percent sure as the game was going on, as like everything was unfolding I knew they were going to score on that last drive that they scored to to go ahead. And then I wasn't confident about the defense making that stop, but I was confident about the offense scoring. This game was like nothing like that. There was very little confidence in this offense. It was sputtering to say the least. And um, the aspects that I did enjoy was, you know, Trevor Etienne and Montreal Johnson are – are so much better than um, uh, the rest of the running backs. And I think they really need to get more playing time. And I think they need, just need to be the, like the primary backs, but uh, what uh, just last thoughts on this before we move on to the rest of this. Um, I'm not like, it's not really, you know, this, I honestly, I think this, I saw this coming. I and I remember like seeing like the spread. Like Florida was like a six point favorite. I even remember when we got up to number twelve on the AP poll. I even thought like our. I I don't want to say we were overrated, but or overhyped. But I was definitely thinking like guys, let's let's you know, make sure we're okay here. And that again, I wasn't support. Kentucky is good. I I hate the notion now that Kentucky is this layup game. They they have not been anything but easy to Florida this past 10 years. I, every time they play Kentucky now, and every time we play, I think about playing Kentucky, I'm like, this is going to be a tough game. They have not given them an easy game as long as, you know, in the past decade from what I can remember. So it's up to Florida to adjust to Kentucky, how Kentucky plays now the next time they play them because they know they're going into a defensive struggle because Kentucky is pretty much taking away the middle of the field and just saying, you are going to have to, you know, beat us playing, you know, tough than, you know, with flash is what they're saying. Yeah. Okay. So let's move on. Um, Arizona state, Oklahoma state. I just, the reason I put this game on here is because of Emory Jones. I wanted to see how he did and, I don't know. He's kind of doing what I thought he would do. And so they lost uh, Oklahoma State wins 34-17. So that's 
Oklahoma State, again, a team to look out for. I think, what is it, Sanders, right? That's the one that you really liked? Yep. Yeah, yep. and Spencer so, like, Sanders. look out for him, potential Heisman. So let's move on. USC, Stanford, this could have been, like, a huge blowout, but Stanford actually, like, made a game of it late. Um, but uh, USC wins 41-28. Jordan Addison, another two touchdowns. Caleb Williams looked really good. Um, the offense is rolling. Defense kind of there, but we'll see. Kind of a work in progress. But uh, uh, did you get to see any of this? Or oh yeah, I saw this. Um, and I, yeah, I agree. You know, Stanford could have easily you know laid down and died, but they they definitely came back, made it. You know, yeah, because USC I think it was up like forty one fourteen or something like that. Uh, but Stanford, you know, by the fourth quarter was you know making it a bit closer. It, it did become technically a two possession game late. Um, but the offense was fantastic. Caleb Williams had, I know it's only like the second game, but you know, it was one of the best games he's had. I, he had four touchdowns and 300, almost 350 yards. So, um, great game, great, you know, passing game as well for USC. Yeah. And let's, let's move on. Um, the two that I want to mention real quick, UCLA wins 45-7, USF wins 42-20. They're playing tomato can, so I'm not really going to really focus on that, but just uh, eventually they'll start playing people, and then we'll talk more about them. But uh, moving on to Baylor-BYU, interesting game. I wish I would have watched it. I was watching the, you the missed, Florida you game, out, so man. I know I missed the end, and I like was like, damn it, I – I saw the highlights and everything, and I wish I'd just watched this, but uh, uh, BYU wins 26-20 in overtime. Um, crazy game, just like Baylor comes back and ties it uh, in regulation, and then um, it was like missed field goals and all kinds of craziness going on, and then BYU just pulls it out and like, I mean, BYU, man, I'm telling you, look out. This team, because yeah. it has a schedule where it's like, has the um the pedigree where it has the potential of if they do really well could possibly be a playoff team it's all a lot of qualifiers there for, for a reason because you know they have to do at least 11 and 1 possibly 12 and 0 and you know have really solid victories to be able to do it but Anything is possible. Cincinnati won all their games last year and got in the playoffs, so it has definitely got the potential. Um, what did you think of this game, Ian? Um, this was, again, game. this was one of the best weekends besides Florida losing of college football, I remember. Um, another double overtime. Yeah, the field goals were absolutely crazy. I think it was like two missed field goals that BYU had that could have clinched the game, but they were just going to get out of their own way. And BYU survived and won this one. Um, easily one of the be biggest wins. That doesn't include them beating Utah in their, um, you know, recent <laughs> history. Yeah. Um, but, you know, fantastic game. Um, B you know, definitely BYU is a team to look out for in the group of fives. Um, and, uh, you know, just overall good game. Uh, Hall uh, did a good job of um you know commanding the offense and making sure you know making the smart plays especially um but you know overall very good win for byu all right moving on oregon state fresno state 
another crazy finish, a, a gutsy finish, um, because what was it? There was like, it was the last play of the game and they ran like the wildcat and ran for the touchdown and like just wild. Like what a finish. And Oregon state wins 35, 32. That's a team that probably written off for dead for the last several years, Oregon state that finally, you know, is kind of, maybe turning things around, which is kind of wild because they've been a team that's been just non-existent for a while. Um, so I'm definitely interested to see where Oregon State goes from for the rest of this year. Um, what what are your thoughts on this one, Ian? This was, you know, the definition of stealing a win because Oregon State, you know, they were just through most of the game outplayed, but Fresno State could not put the Beavers away. Um, but yeah, that, um, you know, that was a very gutsy call, especially, you know, running the wildcat, um, and, you know, putting all your chips on the table. Um, the rushing attack was very effective for Oregon state. Um, uh, especially when they were cutting to the outside of the blocks, uh, you know, they had a lot of success there, which they can definitely use for the rest of the season. Um, again, another fantastic game, uh, for, um, that Saturday and, you know, you know, add it to the record books for another uh, good win. All right. Uh, last one of this week. So Mississippi State going up against Arizona. Interesting interconference or, yeah, interconference game between these two teams that don't usually match up. But uh, Mississippi State just throwing the ball all over the field, 39-17. Rodgers is just, I mean, the kid is just, unreal like he's putting up i mean it's it's an offense that dictates that you pass the ball a lot and you know they hardly run the ball at all and um you know but he's got a good command of it and it's just it's looking really good because he had 313 this week he had like 450 whatever last week and then four touchdowns this week um I don't know. I like, I really don't know what to say. It's just kind of this team is another team, much like Arkansas, that no one in the West is going to want to play. Like Texas AM doesn't want to play these guys. Uh, you know, uh, Alabama doesn't want to really want to play these guys. Mm-hmm. Ole Miss probably doesn't want to play these guys. So, like, Mississippi State and Arkansas have really good teams. And um, I'm. I can see Mississippi State winning nine games. I can definitely see it, like, right now. I could see them probably losing to Kentucky because Kentucky's got such a good defense. But outside of that, I and I think they play Georgia, too, um, which would be an interesting game. Uh, um, they, I know they play Georgia, and, yeah, because Georgia and Kentucky is the one they, they play almost every year. They play Kentucky as their cross divisional opponent, but let me and see. They do play Georgia. They do play Georgia. Yeah, and it's in Starkville, so crazy things have happened in Starkville. So you never know. Um, but uh, your thoughts before we go on to this? Anything this stands out to you? Yeah, this you know passing attack is you know it's clicking um, on all cylinders for uh, Mike Leach and uh, Mississippi State, and they didn't suggest keep it. 
consistent. You cannot have a letdown game, uh, which we have seen in the past. You got to have to make sure that thing is still as effective as it is every week. Sweet. Okay, let's move on. So I have my Heisman team, my Heisman list. I've got Bryce Young because he still won and still looked pretty decent, especially that last drive to put them over the top. CJ Stroud still looked good, even though it was a tomato can. Caleb Williams looked good. Uh, I've got now I've added in this list is Jordan Addison, much on the tip of Devontae Smith. So we'll see there. Will Anderson just, I mean, he had a couple penalties that really kind of, could have derailed things, but he still looked dominant. Um, who are some of your players on your list uh, besides uh, most, the ones I mentioned? Mostly the same. Um, the only two that are different for me is um, Spencer Sanders of Oklahoma State and Sam Hartman of Wake Forest. Cool. Okay. Yeah, and I really like Sam a lot, and I'm glad that he's back. I don't know what the – did you ever hear what the issue was? I heard it was – a medical issue and it wasn't it was a medical an unf- issue but they i don't they never specified what the issue was weird okay regardless he's back so i'm glad to see him back okay so playoff teams uh go ahead with yours first um my um four in is uh number one georgia number two ohio state number three alabama number four i still have michigan and first two out number five usc and number six, I put in BYU. Oh, nice. I like that, the Cougars. I don't have my last two out. I didn't really want to go too deep into that. I just have the four. I've got Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, and then USC, which I think the reason why I'm picking USC is because they definitely look like the best team in the Pac-12. And if that's the case, then they have an easier route to the playoff than just about any other team out there. So that's where I'm going with that. All right, let's be quick with our picks um, just because I, I, I'm still actually going to work out tonight, which is <laughs> remarkable this late. I know it's probably what, – what time is it for you? Shit, God, it's fucking late for you. It's got to be – Close to 1 a.m. But... Damn. Yeah, we'll finish this quick. Let's do these quick. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Friday game, Louisville – uh, going up against FSU, it's in uh, Lexington. Um, wait, is Lexington where Louisville plays? No, no it's in Louisville. God damn! I, mean, I, I was going to say, I, I, well, you know, sometimes like you know how some schools are like private schools, so they're like named after a specific person. So it's not necessarily yeah. like Duke University is not in the town of Duke of because it doesn't exist, but it's like in Durham. Yeah, you know, sometimes it's like that. That's why I got confused. But yes, Louisville. Um, but uh, so I'm going to go with, I mean, I know I hate FSU and I'm a hater or whatever. I'm just being a realist with this team. And I try to be as realist as much as I can with FSU. They just suck. They're not a good team. They got lucky to beat LSU. And Jordan Travis is a average at best quarterback. So I'm going to go with Louisville winning. And Cunningham having a decent game. I'm going to say Louisville wins, uh, let's say, 26 to 19. So I'm going to go with a 34 to 28 shootout win for Florida State. 
because Louisville's offense is almost average or Louisville's defense has almost given up 400 yards a game, the first two games. And if they do that against uh, UCF and Syracuse, Florida State, who, uh, especially with the Russian attack, LSU can speak for themselves. Um, while it's not coordinated, it's still dangerous. And I'm going to go up the Seminoles in this one, 34-28 uh, Florida State. Okay, um, Georgia going up against South Carolina. What do you got? 31-7 uh, Bulldogs. Defense just suffocates them. I got 31-17 Georgia. Uh, Oregon, BYU. In Oregon. Eugene. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm on the BYU train. Um, yeah, I think I am BYU, too. BYU wins in another uh, close uh Heart stopper. I'll go with the Cougars in this one. I'll go with a tw- uh, twenty-eight to twenty-three win for BYU. I'm going to go BYU thirty-four twenty-two. I just think BYU is just one of those teams. I mean, God, they've got such a crazy non-conference schedule, um, but they're not in a conference right now. So it's like it's just everyone well, they have to yet. play. They just play everyone. Uh, okay, Ole Miss, Georgia Tech, another interconference game. It's kind of interesting. I'm going to go with Ole Miss wins probably, uh, let's say, 37 to, say, uh, 16. Um, I, I'm almost right there. I've got 42-16 Ole Miss. There, it, it'll be a blowout. Yeah, it's not going to be close. Uh, Auburn, Penn State in the rematch from last year, which was a close game with Bo Nix, but Bo Nix is gone. Finley is there, and then maybe another quarterback. I don't know. Sean Clifford's there with Penn State. Um, I think Auburn could win this game because I don't think I'm not huge on Penn State. Um, I could, I'm going to go with Auburn. I'm going to say. Because of the home crowd, we'll be hyped for this game. Let me say Auburn wins like 24 to 20 type game. Um, I'm going to go the other way around. I'm going to go with Penn State here. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with another close one. I'm going to go with the 23 to 21 win for the Lions, Nittany Lions. Yeah. I, and I think, it, I think it's going to be close too. Like it seems like they're kind of evenly matched teams, you know? They're not, like, too far off from each other. All right. I know you're probably loving this game, but Liberty, Wake Forest, I want to hear your thoughts first before I give mine. Um, Yeah, definitely um, with especially Sam Hartman back in the saddle. Um, Looking forward to this one. I think Liberty, you know, especially with how the offense is, is going to be, you know, maybe hanging in there. Uh, But I think Wake Forest just has too much talent. I'm going to go with – 33 to 19 win for the Demon Deacons. Cool. Okay. I got 42 28, just because I don't think Liberty's going to score too many points. And I know that Sam Hartman's going to throw like five touchdowns because that's just what he does. Okay. Moving on. Mississippi State, LSU. I'm going to go with my prediction first. Okay. So Mississippi State. Is going to score 45. And I think LSU is going to score like 27. 
What do you got? Um, yeah, I don't think it's going to be the uh, warmest uh, start for uh, <laughs> uh, Brian Kelly. I'm going to go with uh, Mississippi State winning this one. I'm going to go with the uh, 38-28 to 28 win for the Bulldogs. All right, interesting. Another in- interconference game, Texas Tech-NC State. Does NC State figure stuff out and get a more resounding victory uh, considering how close they played ECU the first game? And I don't even know what they did last week. They must have played a tomato can because I didn't have them included in our list. Um, I'm going to say NC State wins, but it's probably going to be close. I'm going to say like 28 to uh, 24. What do you got, Ian? Um. I'm going to go with the Wolfpack in this one, but it's going to be close. Um, I think ultimately the defense will come up clutch, but I'm going to go with NC State. I'm going to go with a 27 to 25 win for the Wolfpack. Yeah, I think it's going to be close. It just seems like they're not that NC State's not better, but it's just it seems like that Texas Tech is probably going to give them a fight. Um USF, Florida. Okay, so I wanted to mention this before. I, I'll get. I'll probably say more at the end as well. But uh, uh, me and Ian are both going to this game. So if any of you USF or Florida fans are listening to this, um, we're going to try to be somewhere uh, at least like tailgating, and I'm going to be walking around trying to meet with people that I know on Twitter, and uh, you know, reach out to us, hit us up on either social or wherever, and we'll try to meet up with you, say hello. You know, we're trying to reach out as much as we can with Hater Radio. So uh, we'll be there and we'll try to represent as best we can. And I haven't figured out necessarily what we're going to do as far as we might do something like uh, a Twitter live um, on the day of the game and talking about the game specifically. But obviously we're doing the show right now, so we, we won't do a necessarily episode. But we do like something just talking more about the game day of. But uh, I'm going to go with my prediction now, and then we may change it later. But I'm going to say Florida wins. I'm going to say 38 to like 21. Uh, Mine's pretty close, actually, too. I got 35-17 Gators. Yeah, this seems like South Florida is just too – too far off right now to really contend with teams like Florida. Okay, Michigan State, Washington, another interesting interconference game. There's so many of these. Uh, Ian, what do you have in this game? Um, I'm going to take um, – man, I think it's really going to be kind of a drag-out kind of game. Ugh. I, I don't okay. know. I haven't seen much of Washington at all so far this year. What is Michael well, Penix Jr. doing? Uh, I know he has, like, I think he has, like, six touchdowns. He's off to a good start. Um, okay. And the offense has been really clicking. I I don't know. I Sure, this will be my upset of the week. I got Washington. <laughs> I got Washington winning this. I'm going to go 28 to 21 Huskies. Nice. Okay, I'm going to go 27-22 Michigan State. So I'm going to say close, but I think uh, uh, Michigan State's got the 
the the fight in them to be able to hold off Washington. Okay. Another interconference game. I mean, I like in the next all the rest of these games are all interconference games. There's very few yeah. conference matchups, which is crazy. And we're three weeks into the season. Um, okay, so SMU Maryland. Um, this is an interesting game because uh the Tugavaloa brother, the younger brother, uh, I don't know his first name, but he's been doing quite well. And um SMU uh is a good squad. Does SMU get the victory? I think SMU does just because I don't know. Maryland has just been so terrible for the last little while, regardless of Tug of Aloha, you know, doing well. I think SMU wins probably 30 to, I'm going to say 20. What do you got? Um, I got the same thing. I got the Mustangs winning this one and almost I got a 30 to 24 win for the SMU. Yeah, it just seems like SMU is the better team in this matchup. It doesn't seem like Maryland really can contend with those teams that are like, you know, eight, nine win teams. They're they're not they're not at that level. Um good old sorry ass UCF Knights going up against FAU. Um, man, this was God. Someone was talking about it today on Twitter, and I'm like, if this actually happened, if Willie Taggart is able to actually beat UCF, oh my God, oh my God, it would be remarkable. And I was like, I think the thing I like quote tweeted someone, I was like, uh, the future of college football loses to, um, the, shortest tenured FSU coach ever would be like it's remarkable and I'm just like I I hope to God FAU does win and it would I would I would be oh man I would laugh my ass off if that actually happens I don't know the FAU's got a decent offense um I I'm gonna go with Shit, I'm just going to say, because I haven't done any upsets yet today. So I'm going to say FAU does it. I'm going to say uh, 34 to 28. That's what I got. What do you got, Ian? Um, I've got 34 uh, to 20 for UCF. Um, yeah, I, I just think the defense will be able to hold off FAU, and I honestly wouldn't be surprised if UCF runs away with it. Okay, so biggest game of the day probably out of all these games has got to be this Miami-Texas A&M game, even though Texas A&M lost. I want to hear your thoughts first before I give mine on this because we haven't even we haven't even mentioned Miami like all year because they've played terrible teams. So this is literally the first time we've talked about them at all. Uh, but Ian, go ahead with your comments and then I'll, I'll chime in afterwards. Yeah, it's, you know... Miami struggled their um, second game uh, against uh, Southern uh, Mississippi. Um, they definitely did not, you know, play as well as they should against a team like that. Um, although that's nothing compared to how an A&M performed last week. Um, I, I think this is going to be one of those games where it's going to be a defensive struggle. 
Um, Miami's defense has played absolutely fantastic this year, and AM's defense at least has kept them in games. Um, honestly, I think just, you know, Miami has had the better performing offense. I, I'll take the Hurricanes in this one. I'm going to go with Miami a 20-17 win for uh, the Hurricanes. 20-17? to 17? Yeah. Okay. Um, I have A&M scoring 17 as well, but I think the difference here is Tyler Van Dyke is a really good quarterback. And um, he's someone that definitely has um, pretty good command of the offense, which AM doesn't really have on the other side. So that's going to be the difference. And I have them scoring 32. So I'm going to have Miami winning 32 17. And which sets up for the rest of their year because really Miami doesn't have a, like a difficult schedule. They have some tough games, but really they could almost basically only lose like one or two games here the rest of the year. So it will should be end up a 9-10 win season for them. Okay, moving on. San Diego State, Utah. Interesting because Utah, you know, played a tomato can last week and ran up the score. But now got a game opponent in San Diego State. I don't know too much about San Diego State this year. Uh, Ian, what are your thoughts on this game before I get my prediction? Um, definitely not the same San Diego State as last year, and they're definitely you know rebuilding. Utah opens up another case of what pass on this one. I'm gonna go <laughs> 45 to 10. Uh, UDs, um, I don't know what I should give score wise here, so I'm just gonna say Utah wins 34 20. What did you say your score was again? Uh, 45 to 10. 45 to 10. Okay, all right, last two, and then we're out of here. Uh, Fresno State, USC. Um, Fresno State, after that loss last week, kind of in the schneid. But what 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 are your thoughts here in this game? Um, this one, you know, Fresno State played well, but you know, not you know, like I said, it was just unfortunate. You know, they couldn't put away uh, the game last week. But I'm gonna go. Yeah, I'm gonna go USC. They just have too much talent. Um, on that one, so I'm gonna go USC wins. Um, thirty eight to 18. Yeah, I'm not far off. I got USC 45-29. I mean, they just have playmakers all over the field, and Caleb Williams is a stud. Uh, I'm excited where the, to see where this USC team goes, especially against matchups against uh, UCLA and Notre Dame, how well they'll do in those games. Um, but, yeah, definitely the excitement is – is rising in LA for them for real. And which is great because it seems like both them and UCLA are doing well. So it's, it's great for the city. They need college football to do well because it's a huge market that when both those teams are doing well, it's, it's immensely great for uh, college football. So last game, Ian, I know you love this one, UTSA, Texas. Let me give my thoughts because you're, I know you're going to go long on this one. So let me say, I like Texas last week. They looked really good. The kid that came in for uh, Quinn Ewers card, he looked pretty good. So I'm going to say Texas wins because their UTSA's defense is not that great. I'm going to say Texas wins like 
31 to 28. Um, I kid you not. Um, this is going to be probably the highest score game of the season because both teams are just like so dedicated to the offense of, uh, especially UTSA's air attack. I'm going to go, might sound like a crazy score, but I'm going to go Texas will win this one 52 to 35. Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's a huge one. I would not be surprised if that's over that either. And Ian is basically telling you all to bet the over <laughs> in this much, one. Yes. Pound the over in this one. <laughs> okay. That is it, everyone. Uh, so you can reach us at hater underscore radio at uh, on Twitter and Insta. HaterRadio1 at gmail.com and then HaterRadio.com for all our articles. I might write an article about USF Florida game just to talk about where the two programs are right now. And then, um, Ian, what are your socials as well? Yeah, YouTube, uh, GGatorG and Instagram, G double underscore Gator, double underscore G. So that's where to reach us. Again, we will be at the USF Florida game in Gainesville. So reach out to us if you want to contact us, if you want to meet up. Um, I'm going to blast it on Twitter so that people know about it. And we will have a Twitter live uh, uh, segment that we'll do. I'm probably going to even maybe piece something together that I'll have uh, package wise uh, later next week as well. So Looking forward to that. Looking forward to seeing all any of you that are listening there next week or this week. Um, but that's the show. And Ian, thank you again for coming on. And I'm glad you're feeling better. And uh, we'll talk to you all you guys later. Bye.